Yo, what's going on? Y'all, it's your boy So So, in case you ain't no so, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, we break down the Marlins' five-game win streak as they continue to push towards the playoffs. The Heat and Kevin Durant are tied up in all types of rumors, and we recap a lackluster UFC 276. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy What's going on, brother? Yes, sir. We are here. We got to do the handshake like a little Uh, bit weird. What up? uh, Because we got to go on the cameras. Yeah, man. Yeah. New little setup. I mean, it's the same setup, but just you know, just kind of doing something a little. It's a new setup, bro. Every time we hit different angles on these people, man, it's a new setup and something new that we're trying out, and hopefully the people like it, man. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! What's going on, pimp player? Chillin' dog, you know, back from the long weekend, 4th yes, of sir. July. How was your 4th? It was good, man. It was very chill. Got to spend some time with the family. Um, talked to some family in Brazil. Excited that they're coming over in a couple of days to the States. Um, good vibes, man, the entire weekend. And I shot a really good round of golf. Hey, playing by myself. Oh, but man, it always happens. I shot a really good round Likely. of golf. Shout out 109, bro. That was yesterday. Yeah, man. That shit. No, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Very nice. Very nice, man. Very nice. nice. Play country club, right? Yeah, yeah. And I and the part that I was most happy with was that I kind of felt like I was tuning more into my driver, right? Because I'm still getting used to it. It's a new driver for me. Um, and also putting, bro. Putted like a fucking champion, man. <laughs> For that's me, where, that's where you you absolutely, bro. Like in the first strokes, yeah, man. In the first nine, I had twenty one putts. Okay, that's pretty good for yeah. a guy who's a, as bad as me. You yeah. know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're on a roll there. It's all about know? perspective, you know. Yeah, man. But um, but yeah, bro. How about you, man? How was your weekend? Same dog. Same little golf. You know, a little golf here and there. Some pool action. Some barbecues. See, you some look beers. tan, dog. My face looks a little red. Yeah, I know. I got that Rudolph going on right now, dog. I did, bro. It's so funny. When we played on Saturday, I'm just an idiot, bro. I'm a jamoke. I, uh, I went to play, and everybody's like, damn, it's hot as hell. Anybody got sunscreen? I'm like, oh, yeah, I got sunscreen. And, like, bro, my sunscreen got passed around. Everybody put it on except for me, dog. Nice. My whole neck, my nose, like, my face got burned. Everything. I'm like, God, I'm such an idiot, dude. Ah, good times. But you're a supporter of the people, man. You're ah, a yeah. provider. You know, I, I I help those in need. Yeah, that's what you do, man. That's, that's what, what I, you do here. That's what know? we do right here, homie. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? We bring people what they need, you know, their sports fix. Yeah, you know? man. Yeah, man. Let, let's talk about that, man. We What's got good? a we got a really good vibes coming right now from the Marlins, this bro. Is, this, all right, so this is huge, bro. We got to lead off by saying that the Marlins, the Miami Marlins, Correct. are only two games back of 500 on the season wow. right now. I mean, last week when oh, we wrong, spoke, but that's the one. I mean, dude, if you guys don't know what that like even means, social break that down. <laughs> um, what it what it means is that you know this team, like we've talked about pretty much all season, it, it means that the team's talent is finally starting to come around and really showing its face um, in manners that they win games. You know, because like the the Martins are always in it; they're always in it. Rarely do they get blown out where it's like eleven to zip. Nine zip that doesn't happen to the Martins, and what we what we're seeing now is the combination of good pitching and good hitting with timely pitching and timely hitting, right? 
producing all these wins. Now, granted, people want to look at the the record and say, "Well, don't you got you guys own the Nationals? Every other game that you guys play against the Nationals, you guys win." And it's like, yeah, but you know what? That's tough to do, anyways. To go out there and dominate a team that you're playing 15 times in a season, you know. And the way that the Marlins have won these five games in a row after losing the series against St. Louis has been impressive because. They've been ahead of games. They have to come back in games. They've had to win games and walk-offs. They've had to have a complete game performance from Sandy where he told Don Manley, hey, don't take me out. I'm going to finish this game right here. That, that was a super dope moment. I mean, it's something that that a, a Cy Young-type player does, and, and that's what he's been for us this year. You know, guys 8-3 and three on the season and and really having an amazing season for the Martins, you know? And, and, if, and if you think about it, he's just leading a really good staff, right, who is still missing, guys. Um, we still without uh, Jesus Lazardo, who was pitching amazing for us in the beginning of the season. We haven't really seen the best of T-Raw, right? Even what though- is uh, That's something I'm glad you brought up. And I know you're going somewhere with that, but uh, can we get into that at some yeah, point? What yeah. is going on with Trust T-Raw? Me. Um, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch back on that topic, right. but but even a guy like T. Raw, he's not performing like we expected. Mm-hmm. A guy like Sixto, right? Yeah, man, Sixto's that's a dead name this year. Like we have not really heard anything there, and we were looking at him to be like, hey, you have to be one of the guys that bounce back. You know, luckily we have a guy like Pablo Lopez. We have guys in the in the pen that have really stepped up. We talked about Okert last week. Yeah. He has four wins on the season. Yeah. Like he's doing things. Again, that timely pitching where you're going into a tough situation and you're ultimately coming out looking like the better pitcher and and put your team in a position to win. Um, like I said, to end the, the St. Louis road trip with a Sandy Alcantara complete game win where Osby's got his uh, game-winning home run um, in the top of the ninth, like, that's amazing. And then that just rolled into the next series, which was against the Nationals, where we played them uh, four straight times. And and in that, we saw T-Raw really get to the position where he can pitch well. He's 3-0 and against the Nationals this year, has an ERA under three whenever he faces them. So he's building. He It's good to have him in this lineup during this game and have him face that off. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and get some type of confidence from it. Not only did the Marlins win the game for him, but he pitched well in the game. Um, you know, and we saw another Aguilar home run that game. So, like, we, we get to see these home runs that are timely. And I think you're pulling up the Asfi home run, right, from the complete game? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up right here. You know, that's just the, the type of things that set off good vibes throughout the team, right? And then it just snowballs into winning, you know, because then like Aguilar, the next game comes up and hits a big home run. Jesus Sanchez comes up the next game and hits another big two home run, a home run. And then we have a guy named Brian De La Cruz coming up and winning the game for us in the top of the ninth with another home run. Contagious. Yeah, you're beating the Nationals, a team that you beat all the time, but it's contagious, you know. You oh, wanna, you got the call? You want to try to hear it? Yes, see. sir. We haven't heard this yet, and let's see what it, what it sounds like. Well, it's ninth inning. Williams, who can fly the tying man at first. Fans come to their feet at Bush Stadium. Garcia tonight 0 for 3, two strikeouts and a double play ball. Not going. As Avi goes after the first one, sends one high in deep center field. Back goes Carlson at the wall, and it's gone! A two-run home run for Avi Garcia with the Marlins down to their last out. Beast. They take a 4 and that, and that again is that timely hitting. You know, he's a 31 year old veteran, has been around the majors for a while, but he's 
has this, I don't know, I, I guess it's just a good mix of youth and veteran um, on this team, and he shows up in places like that. Uh, another guy, Jesus Sanchez, we saw him bounce back from the DL, right? And then, boom, catch fire, really get some hits, have some really good games, and hit a two-run home run for us to beat the Nationals. And then, again, like I said, to end the trip and to get the most important victory, the four-game sweep, you had Brian De La Cruz Crazy. come up in the bottom of the ninth and hit a freaking beautiful home run, bro. Which game was that? That's the last game? That was the last game that against was, the Nationals. Uh, that was that just yesterday's game, the correct. 4th of July game. Correct, correct. Which started at 11 a.m. Kind of weird to have baseball that early, but I'm not going to lie. I liked it. I liked it. You know? I mean, it kind of it kind of cuts into my uh, hot dog eating championship time. You know what I mean? That was 12 to 1. Joey Chestnut, by the way. We got to talk about him. Is that He's sports? A legend. The nah, is it's that, not a sport. But come we, on, dog. Hot dog eating deserves, is not a sport. Come on, dog. Come on. You're going to try to champ like that, dog? That's, I'm not going to. Uh, a, I that's think that's. You can call him the GOAT, but I'm just saying there's something wrong if you're the GOAT of eating glizzies, dog. <laughs> you know, that's not a sport. The that glizzy you, that, eating that goat. You, exactly. You want to go out there and claim. In my opinion, I could be wrong, <laughs> you know. But a guy that, that I feel is the GOAT right now and, and probably the best pitcher in, in the majors is Sandy. You know, and we have to give him his respect because... Cy Young um, considerations at this yeah, point, man, correct? I, what? Be, I, he's probably the leader in the Cy Young race. Well, he just won. Uh, he was just announced National League Pitcher of the Month for, for June. June. Right. And in that month, he went 3-1, and one, a 1.8 and... 1.89 ERA, 34 strikeouts, only walking eight batters. Um, you know, the Marlins were 4-2 and two in, in his starts. So every time he's on the mound, he's giving you quality starts, putting you in a position where you can win the game and ultimately help the team move forward and get closer to what you were talking about in the beginning of the of the segment, which is them being two games behind 500, 38 and 40 on the season. And I guarantee you, um, if you look at the odds makers that they had before the season, the the odds that the Martins had before the season, they were nowhere near that. They didn't, nobody thought they would be a five hundred. Some teams had, some experts had them being like in that playoff contention or whatever, but not necessarily as a real serious contention. And now, and now you have to give them that respect because they they have those qualities that that we were talking about. They have the good pitching and they definitely have bats. This is all happening with Jazz being on the DH. DL, you know, he's he's being hurt. Him being hurt, Jorge Soler on the 10-day DL as well. Um, I mentioned that Jesus is a lot, uh, Lizardo is out for 60 days and won't be back until the end of August, early September. Right, when we're, when we're hopefully hopefully, hopefully in, the in the playoffs. Right? <laughs> Getting ready for and the playoffs. And that's a main pitcher for us that we, that we lost there. Um, and we have a guy like Pablo really being the second in command when it comes to pitching. And, and and having those guys as your one and two, mm-hmm. that just breeds uh, chances. And that's all this Marlins team needs, man, yeah. chances. Well, definitely this team is looking a lot better than, you know, when we started coming them at the beginning of the season. Obviously, we had the lockout, right? There was a little bit of a delay to the start of the season. And, you know, we kind of, at least for me, I expected us to come out guns blazing. You know me, dog. Right. I expect all of our teams to show up and, and play like On a championship seasons team. left and right. Game one, you know what I mean? And, and the reality is that that's not the case, man. You know, there people need to get into, that's why they call it mid-season form, you know, or playoff form. You know, you're not there yet. You got to build up towards that. And we've been figuring that out. You know, it was the hitting. Hitting hasn't been there. The pitching was there, but the closing wasn't. So we can start games good and not allow any runs. And then we're giving up one or two runs at the end of the game to, to lose the game. And, you know, we've kind of turned that around now. Now we got a full, complete package as far as pitching goes. Yep. 
you talk, you alluded to the clip with uh, Sandy coming out, you know, or, or Don trying to get him to come out and him like, nah, you're not taking me out of this game. I'm, I'm going to do this. You know, that just tells you who that guy is for the Marlins, what kind of leader he is. He's leading by example. You know what I mean? He wants to play. His heart is in it. And that is very promising because, you know, if everybody else is bought in, and I don't know if this is this happened after that open meeting that Madeline had, whatever, you know, right. we've kind of had a turnaround since then. I don't know what was said in that meeting, but I'm inclined to believe that something in there sparked that team. And I mean, now now they're just they're, – I think they have the confidence now. Not that they weren't, you know, doing it before. I felt like before – they still have the same skill and ability. They just didn't have that confidence. And now I feel like we have that. And once we get to 500, it's a whole different story because, you know, we got the Phillies are in front of us, 42 and 38. Uh, the Braves are ahead of them, 47 and 34. And then the Mets are leading the division, 50 and 30, which are nasty. I mean, that's disgusting right now. But um, the Marlins are are only, what, uh, six, right and a, six and a half They're games right from second place? They're right there, dude. They're right there in in – and where they want to be, right? You want to chase for the wild card because the Marlins are notoriously good at that, right? Catching fire in the second half of the season and and putting the pressure on other teams that are better than them to perform. And if they don't, boom, guess what? The Marlins are delivering, you know, unlikely wins against yeah. unlikely op- uh, um, opponents that are difficult for them, right? But, you, you know, like I mentioned, this team – does have veteran leadership, right, in all aspects. There's six guys who are 30 and older on the squad. One of those guys are really balling for us right now. One of them is a World Series MVP from last year, which is Soler, right? Um, uh, We also have really good pitching in the front lineup, right? Guys who are dependable, start every single game, go out there and pitch seven innings. Whether they win or lose, doesn't matter. Quality starts. And then you have a quality veteran coach in Don Mattingly who we we talked about him being under the hot on the on the hot seat for a little bit mm-hmm. because the team was just underperforming right we had that insane losing streak it was like double digits and it's like what the hell is going on here the Marlins are not that bad right especially to the team that they were losing to you're like yo something's wrong there and you're right i feel like the 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 meeting was a must and what we're seeing now is a team that's unified a team that is confidence, and they're confident because they're winning, obviously. Winning breeds that type of confidence. But once you have it, it becomes addicting, and then you want it more, so you try harder to get it. And maybe that's what the Marlins needed, right? They needed that little push to say, hey, this little dream that you guys have is possible. You can make it to 500. You can make it into the wild card and get a game behind the wild card, two games, whatever the case may be, in a matter of two weeks. Will it happen? It can. If I don't keep, know if we get, but uh, if this keeps up, if we get uh plays like this that I'm about to play right now, I got another call for us. Hit it. I got to shout out the man, man, Brian De La Cruz. Here we go. Up to De La Cruz. Infield can move back with two outs. And De La Cruz gets into one to left. This one is off the top of the foul pole. Another late game homer for the Marlins. I told you he's been bringing the pain. In it. But De La Cruz said, and my dog was rocking tremendo USA sleeve. <laughs> yeah, this is center cut. I right mean, here. this swing Fastball. is nasty, bro. That's that swing is just beautiful. We're gonna, I'm a, I gotta post that clip. I posted on it here. on the reels. I posted it on the reels. I, I, I know you did, but I mean, to anybody that that's listening that hasn't seen that, go check out the reel. Absolutely, that man. swing is so clean and crispy, and he he got 
all of that. Oh, hey, he saw the pitch, attacked the pitch, and drove it. He got lucky. Don't get me wrong. He got lucky that it hit the top of the top of yeah, the foul pole. But still, dog, he still I mean, rocked. Yeah, be lucky than good. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. And imagine a guy like him, right? Brian De La Cruz from the Dominican Republic, get an opportunity to play with the Marlins, and you go out there and you win the game for for your team on the road. On July 4th. Yeah, if we can keep stacking up moments like Sheesh. that with players like that, you know what I mean? Avisael, right? Yeah. Uh, hopefully I said that right. His, you know, late game home run that you know that they were just talking about. Martins with another one. Dela Cruz a couple days later doing that. Um, He's a Sanchez. kid, uh, the one that they took out after that he they haven't played him. That he hit the home run late. I forget his name. Oh, uh, the rookie. Herrad. Herrad. Yeah. Uh, what's his last? Encarnacion. Encarnacion. You know what I mean? Like, he hasn't played again, but still, still. If, if we can get those moments from these players, man, and just, again, keep building that confidence, keep showing them, yo, we can compete with the best people in this league. Yeah. Then, I mean, come, you know, October, dog, hopefully, you know. And we got a chance. Look, we got a chance because even starting tonight, right, we're playing, we're going to, the Martins are playing tonight against the Los Angeles Angels at home. They got a quick two-game series before they go back up to New York to face the Mets four straight times. But they're facing North Syndergaard, a guy who's a really good pitcher, very, you know, has that heat. Um, but he's been off this season. He hasn't been pitching that great. Yeah. He's won, he won his last start, but his last four starts before that, he's lost four straight games. So he's one in, one in five, technically, you know, in his last five starts. Facing a guy like Sandy, who's priming it right now. Maybe he doesn't have that confidence, and the Martins can go out there and rough him up early, get a couple of runs, and and make it a comfortable situation for both Sandy and the middle relief guys so that when it comes down to shut it down, we can walk away with a win and make it six straight. And then, again, once you get once you get to that point where you're winning five, six, seven games in a row, mm-hmm. anything can happen, right? And then, like, you can re- quickly make up ground on teams that are, that are ahead of you. And there's still a whole lot of season left. A lot, bro. The, the Mets have plenty of rope to hang themselves with you know absolutely. absolutely you know they're doing great right now no offense to them they're a fan they're the best team in the league right now i mean their the record speaks for itself but his, if history is is tending to repeat itself they, i mean they'll do so great towards the end of the season let's be honest if we go out there and we grab three out of those four games against the mets that no well, come on that's huge come on that's a huge because then it starts making them question who the hell they are i would think you know from a psychology standpoint it makes them fight fight way harder against the braves who are would be on their ass right and philadelphia would be in pretty much striking range to either one of those teams mm-hmm. so now you have four teams trying to battle it out to see who can get better positioning but in order for that to happen and the Marlins to put that pressure on those other three teams, they have to keep winning. And they have to make sure that they win those series whenever they face those opponents. It's okay if you go out there and you lose two games to the Angels, whatever. They're not in your, in your division. But you're going to go play the Mets four times in New York. You got to walk away with at least two of those games. Very Bare minimum, got to walk away with two of those games. Yep. You know? Let's see what happens, man. I'm going to be tuned in. Martin's Baseball is really kicking ass this no, summer. Yeah, we, ha- we have to be. And, and usually, you know. It's the like, only sport that's on right now. Right. No, no, no. But be, be, besides that, like, it, there have been previous summers, right, where the Martins are the only thing on the TV, and it's still bad. Yeah. And yeah. it's not worth watching, yeah. you know. And you, and they're losing games left and right, you know. And they're 15 now, and 40. If you turn on TV and there's a Martins game on, you're more inclined to be like, you know what, let's let's, let's stay tuned. Let's watch. Let's see what the boys let's, have. Hey, let's see what they got. You know, let's see what the boys oh, have. I'm totally with you, man. Yeah, bro. Let's see, man. Um, let's let's get to the the topic of the evening. Some would say, Kevin Durant goes out there, talks to the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, tells him directly, "Hey, man, uh, this Brooklyn project ain't working out for me. 
Kyrie's about to be out in a year. He just opted in. So, uh, yeah, trade me. I'm gone. And then, interestingly enough, in my opinion, right, the the owner says, you know what? I'm not going to try to sweet talk this guy into coming back. I'm not going to talk to this guy, his agent, and say, oh, but let's try to work. He's like, you want to leave, bro? There's the door. Go find the best deal. And put the pressure back on KD and his agent to say, hey, this is this is what you have to do. Now, KD has a little bit of power, right, because he's the player. And he could say, well, these are the only two teams that I want to go to, which was Phoenix and Miami. Now, in in, in retrospect, right, after it being what like five days now that the news came out right 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 before the I feel like free agency been, I feel like it's been like a month already <laughs> it was just Thursday I've gone through the so many emotions already like yes no maybe like I don't know he's coming he's not coming he's coming again no he's not coming you know it's like, just it's just been a lot but also with that you know we got also now we have more information yes him putting in the heat as one of the two people or the two teams he would desire to go to there's an asterisk around the heat Correct. that he has um, uh, requirements, basically, with the Heat, and that would be that we can't give up Bam or Jimmy in that. He in wants to come play with those guys, which makes complete sense. And I'm sure that and he has as the— As a Heat fan, I mean, we don't want to see those guys leave, right? We'll we, get to we'd that. We'd rather have no, them play of alongside not. of them. Of course not. That it, it would only make the team stronger if Jimmy and Bam were to be next to Kevin Durant, right? Obviously. But— and I'm sure the same situation is happening in Phoenix, right, where he wants Chris Paul to be there. He wants uh, Booker to be there, maybe Cam Johnson, trade everybody else who I don't like, right? Um, yeah, that's essentially what it comes down to because yeah. if Kevin Durant is going to be the one to say, hey, yeah, I want this guy or no, I don't want this guy there, then the power is completely up with Kevin Durant. And I don't know, man. It's a, it's a weird situation because we've never seen a situation like this where – such a prominent NBA player request a trade one year into a project, still having Not four one year. years. He's been there. He's been there two years. two years. Two years, right? He didn't play the majority of the first year, but. Correct. Cause, so there, he was there for one year, right? Um, and just signed the four-year extension and still request a trade. 30-something years old, 31, I think 32. He's 33. 33, locked in for the next four years. He's turning 34 in September, so he'll be 34 when the season starts. Still locked in. A guy like him who has, for the most part, taken care of his body, never really had major injuries except for the last one that he had, um, and he still bounced back and was deadly as hell when he did come back and deadly this season when he played. I don't know, bro. Like, what's what's the right package? To give up for him. What's what's enough? What's not enough? And and I found myself asking that like to a lot of my friends and to a lot of the guys that I that I know in, inside the sports community, right? Where I'm like, what would you give up? Where, where where would you go? How far? You know, because if you ask me, a guy like Kevin Durant only comes around once every ten years. Yeah. Eight years, seven years, maybe top, six. Top ten, top ten player of all time. I mean, how often do you have the chance at something like that? And not a oh debatable top ten. No, like no. There's LeBron. There is KD. There's Jordan. You know what I mean? Like there's certain players. Curry's that are, in that. Steph is obviously in there 100. percent Like if you can trade for Curry, you know what I mean? Now Harden, it's like now nah, Harden's not in hey, that. Hey, but that's what I'm saying. I'm trying. You know, a Harden or uh, who? I don't even know who else. You, you can anybody else. Right even now. a Carmelo, he's not going to be a top You're ten. Not, player, it's you know? like ah, 
not. I'm not really You're trying not. licking my chops at that. You know what I mean? But Kevin, a bunch of Kevin Durant, man. I mean, come on, man. This guy's a, a phenom. He's a physical specimen. He, yeah, you know, he is getting a little bit older. But even a 34 year old Kevin Durant would benefit any team in the NBA. Bro, he would be if it wasn't for LeBron. If it wasn't for LeBron, right? Kevin Durant probably would have been the most decorated of that era of the superstars. Because he would have just won championship after championship. Because nobody was stopping Durant in his prime when he was 26 years old. Out there shooting the lights over everybody. Regardless of who he had next to him. Whether it was Harden, you know, uh, the other dude that he played with in OKC. Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Like, it didn't matter who you put him around. Even when he got to Golden State, he did his thing. And they needed him to do his thing in order for them to win like they did. So, yeah, you, ha- you everything's on the table, in my opinion, when it comes to Kevin Durant. People would say, oh, but Konyo, dog, you would give up Bam? And I'm like, yeah, I would. I'd give up Jimmy, too, if that's what it took. I'd rather not. I'd rather not. But if 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 Brooklyn says, hey, listen, the only way, I can't trade for Bam, but the only way that I'll, that I'll give you this guy is if you give me Jimmy Butler. All right, fuck it. I'll take Kevin Durant and Bam. All day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All day long. And even if I got to come in, Kyle Lowry, me lo como happily. Happily. But there's no way that you can really say, oh, this is untradeable. This is untradeable. Not for Kevin Durant. For me, the only person that is untradeable is Jimmy. That's that's the main person for me. And that's because, I, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Jimmy. I mean... You we, got his jersey, dog. Of course. I mean, we everything we've got these last couple of years is partly due to Jimmy, man. I mean, you know, the bubble Jimmy, playoff Jimmy, you know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the, the, the dude steps up to a whole other level. And I love that. I love that passion. I love that fight. You know, you know, he doesn't give up. You know, he doesn't get it. He doesn't... Um, he, he leaves it all out there, dog, on the court, essentially. And that's what I love about him. Um, but everybody else, dog, especially after, you know, just the ending that we had to this season, you know, I'm just like, you know what, Hero, you can take him. Duncan Robinson, take him at his $90 million contract. You know, take uh, Kyle Lowry, unload that big-ass contract, get that shit the hell out of here. I don't even want Lowry <laughs> anymore after what he did this season with his fat ass. And then, you know, you're talking about Bam. It's like, man, the last images I have of Bam is a big-ass man playing soft as hell. So if he has to go, he has to go. But, again, going back to it, Durant has already said he doesn't want to play here if Bam and, and Jimmy are not here. So. But that's not up to him, though. It, it, it's not, but, it, it, you know, obviously that's all taken into consideration. And Absolutely. I'm sure, and I'm sure the Godfathers, you don't, the last thing you want is to be like, you know, it's to pull the rug from out, you know, from under somebody like that and be like, oh, For you know sure. what? We told you one thing, but we, we couldn't make it happen. So now you're by yourself here and you had no support. But I think that the Heat have learned because we've made huge trades before, right? So we know, like, we learned from, like, the time that we traded for Shaq and the time that we traded for um, Chris Bosh and LeBron. And, like, even after that, like, we, we knew, we know what it takes to build a team once you make a big move like that. Not a lot of teams have that experience. And the same guys who've been doing it for us are still doing it for us. Sure. Right? So that gives us an advantage. One thing that I heard is, like, that it would be complicated to to include a third team into the trade, right? And in case people are wondering, the reason why Bam can't get traded to the Brooklyn Nets straight up is because they have Ben Simmons. And since they traded for Ben Simmons before he signed his extension, you can't have two extended rookie contracts on the same roster. So that's why you can't trade for Bam straight up for Kevin Durant. If not, I'm pretty sure that that's the trade that would have gone down. And a lot of people would have been okay with it if i'm honest 
right? Because I definitely would have been okay with it if we give up Bam to get Kevin Durant, even if it's Bam and Hero. I'm still okay with that. And that it would, it would have to I'm be still more, okay yeah. with that. I'm, you know what I mean? Like You're I'm okay with Bam, that. Hero and picks, but then the question with picks is we don't have all complete control of our picks, which we can right. probably get that control back. But that's something that a team like the Nets is looking at. And we actually have that. Windhorse we have the sound from Brian Windhorse where he pretty that. much, um, yeah, play it where he pretty much breaks it down. How how's it gonna go for the Heat um, and what they can pretty much offer for this trade? Yeah, this is Brian Windhorse on uh, ESPN. for this for several days um they have you know andy ellisberg their general manager is the leader in thought processes for trades he has been for decades now and so what the miami heat have is young players young assets and big contracts they can trade now bobby i'm sure is going to explain this in a second but one sticking point in any trade between brooklyn and miami is that bam Adebayo can't be in the deal which is i'll let bobby explain as to why and that is problematic um, and that's why I think the Heat, um, you know, even though they can generate up to three first-round draft picks, may be you know fighting if it comes down to Miami and Phoenix because of the because of the they can't include Adebayo. So yeah, you know it, it it comes right back down to that. You have to put all those pieces on the table in order to get the right. And I feel like I was listening to a lot of insiders today, and what I came away with is that. Phoenix may not be able to do the best deal. Then they're not because they have so much talent that they should keep that is much younger than ours, right? That they that you're almost be a fool to trade that just for Kevin Durant. Right. You know what I mean? Not to say that Kevin Durant isn't worth it. He's worth it. I just I I, I don't where did that come from, dog? Where do you think that came from? Because to me, that was kind of a curveball to see Durant. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if obviously this could be just bias. You know, we're Miami sports uh, podcast, so we're going to be like, yeah, the Heat. Obviously, you want to come play with the Heat. We're the best team. You know what I mean? Da, 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 da. But right. the Suns also a phenomenal team, a lot of talent there. But why them specifically would Durant want to go there as opposed to like I don't know what what other situations would have made sense for for Kevin Durant? I, I think that what he was looking at is. Is the coaching, the like the leadership of the franchise, right? And how close they are to his playing style, right? Let's look at the coaching. He wants a coach who is firm, but a little bit of a player's coach, but also knows his stuff. You look at Monty Williams in in um, Phoenix. He's done a hell of a his thing, right? In Phoenix, and and he won a Coach of the Year award. Maybe he took it from Spo, or whatever, but he won it. He's got the award, so obviously he's credentialed enough to say, yeah, this guy obviously has a really good rapport with his player. Chris Paul has talked about him so well. I would love to play for him. They got a young superstar in Devin Booker and another young player in Cam Reddish who can really be another type of really good supportive type role, right? Perfect. Kevin Durant can just slide right in there. The franchise knows how much he's valued, so they'll be obviously acclimating him to the team. He doesn't have to be the quote-unquote leader on that squad because they have Chris Paul. He do- he knows he's not the future because they have Devin Booker, so it's a win-win situation for him in Phoenix. Same thing here in Miami. He knows that he's not the future if Bam stays here, right, because the future will still be Bam. Um, but he also knows that he wouldn't have to be the leader because Jimmy is the one who takes care of that department and has him, right, and has him still here. Um, and when you look at the coaching aspect, you got a guy like Coach Spo who is a freaking genius, and um, 
you know, what what haven't I said about Spo before that any other player wouldn't know even more so about, right? right? right. And then the last piece that the last piece that you look at it, which is probably the most important piece, is the front the front office. You have a guy who's committed to excellence and committed to instant winning in Pat Riley, and then you guys have the the gentleman that Winhorse mentioned, Andy Ellisberg, the the money guy. He can make anything happen. He finds ways to find ways to find ways in contracts that put the Heat in a position where they can make moves and be flexible while still having an absorbent amount of salary cap space taken up by two, three guys. And that'll be the case. If, if we end up trading for Kevin Durant, you have Bam making over 20 mil a year, right? You have Jimmy making like over 30 mil and Kevin Durant probably making over 30 mil again. <clears throat> That's a lot of money. Where like where is that your, where is that coming from? <laughs> you know, forget about that. It's like how do and you and that's assuming that Kyle Lowry stays here, another guy that we have you know over twenty five million dollars invested annually. A lot of dough. How do you build up the rest of the squad? I don't know. So maybe it, it is a, a point where the two teams right obviously want to make a deal with each other between the Heat and the Brooklyn Nets, but. I don't know, man. If you have, if you ask me right now, I don't think that we can pull off Kevin Durant today. Now, if you tell me three weeks from now, Phoenix gets desperate and they decide to not want to make moves and they end up resigning Aiton, whatever, that's the way that the Heat can fall into it. But I don't think the Heat are the number one spot right now. All right, you know. Well, the Heat don't get Kevin Durant. He ends up signing with either. The Suns, or now recently, I just saw this headline. Yeah, uh, that's the, Toronto. The Toronto, the Raptors. They're in play. Are in the mix, too. So there's three of us. And he don't get them, let's say, hypothetically speaking, right? We don't land Kevin Durant. Uh-huh. All good. We go back to the, you know, back to the drawing board with Jimmy, Bam, Hero, Strews, uh, no P.J. Tucker. Nope. Uh, that does thing. We haven't talked about that. P.J. Tucker signed we'll in Philadelphia. Um, I don't know the, the, the detail. I think $30 million, three years, something like that. Guaranteed three years. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, go get your money player. Thank $33 you for the- million, dollars, $34 million. Go get it, dog. But you're a veteran. You're, you're, you're a journeyman. You, you deserve it, dog. Appreciate everything you did for the Heat. You know, it is Bro, I'll is. tell you something. Right we're going to see you, dog. Absolutely. You know we're going to see you. And you know you're going to lose, too. But um, imagine, he made, in his entire 11-year career in the NBA, only made 50 mil. Yeah, you go only, get Only, you say it like... Yeah, but you're just, getting more than half of that in, in one contract. Right, right. Go get that bread. Nah, yeah, and he's an NBA champion. I mean, he deserves it. Go so. get that bread. Um, we, we, we go, you know, we don't have PJ, but then everybody else that I just mentioned, plus potentially the rookie that we just drafted, uh, Nikola Jovic. Not, not Nikola Jokic. Jovic. Jovic, who, as we're recording this podcast, just put up 25 points in the Heat Summer League win. Now, obviously, it's Summer League. Uh, we don't really want to read too much into that. Right. But, what are your thoughts seeing something like that from our first round pick? Two things. Um, first thing that hit me is that like a lot of European players that are coming out um, that are young, like he is, he can score the basketball. Like he's his offensive game is very smooth, very fluid. Um, can pull up from deep, can dribble, can get around bigger guys, can post up smaller guys. He's very well-rounded offensively. The second thing that I noticed is that he doesn't necessarily pay, play in the paint too much, you know, and, and him not playing in the paint as much worries me because when you're 6'10 and you're power forward 6'11 and all you do is play from outside, you remind me of Gallinari. You remind me of these guys who are kind of frustrating because there's no, you're not getting in the paint enough. 
You know, and I don't know if his physical body can handle that that type of style in the NBA. So, but he's young, you know, 19 years old. And do I think that he can offer something? Yeah, down the line. Because we, we saw what a stretch four can do, right? If you have a guy who's a stretch four and can really dribble, shoot um, from anywhere on the court, whether it's three-point mid-jumpers or, or even finishing at the rim, that helps out Bam a lot because Bam can go to work in the rim, right, or in the paint. I don't know. I don't know if he'll be available for for the Heat enough, right, or or quickly enough in order to compete in the NBA. I just don't think he's ready. A lot of the times, those European players, in my opinion, aren't. But that's not a knock on him because I really do like his offensive game. I just don't know if it'll translate to the NBA and how effective it'll be. But I wanted to touch back on something. You know, if we don't get Kevin Durant, I think... You know, everybody's idea is that the backup is going after Spider Mitchell, right? And I just feel like I don't know if the Heat will be willing to do that because maybe Spider Mitchell doesn't put us in championship mode. You know, a guy like Kevin Durant is almost like an automatic championship bid. I don't know if getting Donovan Mitchell is up. I mean, like, they could have made it, dog. Had he stayed healthy and Kevin uh, Kyrie Irving done his freaking job or Harden done his freaking job, they would have made it. And, you know, Kyrie busted his ass in those last 20 games of the season, at least, to help Kevin Durant with scoring and whatnot, you know, to make it to the playoffs, at least. But, yeah, you're right, you know. And in most cases, whenever you get a guy like Durant or, or LeBron, you're thinking championship. There's no way, man. There's no way you don't trade for one of those guys like a Curry, a, a LeBron, an AD, or some shit yeah, like gener- that. Generational players. Yeah, man. And, and you don't think championship. So, I don't know. I don't know if Spider Mitchell is that guy, but I feel like he's plan B. I just don't know how hard they'll go after plan B if they can save some money and go after an even bigger whale, an even better player next year. Let's see. Let's see, man. It all depends on Kevin Durant. All of those moves, yeah. the Spider Mitchell moves, the rest of the guys. So, what do you think then? It would be a time frame. When do you think we'll see any decision from Kevin Durant, or not decision, but like? I think in two weeks, two to three weeks, we'll know for sure where he's going because that by that time, like those fringe offers, the Torontos, the Minnesotas, the Utahs, um, all those teams, the Detroit, all those teams will start to fringe out and say, "Man, we can't." Are those wait. teams even putting in like trade proposals? Absolutely, considering that Durant doesn't want to go there. Absolutely, absolutely, you have to because again, you, you're, what you're trying to do is convince the Nets that this is your best haul, right? This is your best haul for your best player. Now it's up to to the Nets to say, "Yeah, Kevin Durant, I'm going to send you there." And Kevin, because it's not like Kevin Durant can say, "Oh, I veto this trade to this team." No, they're going to send them wherever they go, wherever they accept not the trade. Not unless it's in his contract. Like no, it's he, not. He it's might. not. It's not. I, I verified it. It's not. That's what I'm saying. He signed an ex- extension, and it's so weird that he requests a trade. But, again, he's such a big star, such a big name, that if you don't trade him, the stink is going to be even bigger every day that goes by. You know what I mean? Because he came out and already said it. Yeah, he, yeah. And it he, wasn't he no rumor. He went to the owner and said, get no, me no. out. Yeah, he said it himself. Yeah. So I want out, and I'm down to go to Phoenix, or I'll go to Miami. I get tired of the cold. That's what, yeah, for sure. <laughs> or the New York rent right prices. That's why the Toronto one doesn't, you know, doesn't make doesn't sense. Doesn't make sense. No. Um, but rent is getting high down here too, Kevin Durant. You might want to get in early. Don't wait those two, three weeks. And right? Phoenix don't even get me started, but Phoenix Scottsdale is expensive, homie. <laughs> so, everybody I mean, drives when, Teslas over there, bro. It's when you're weird. making, you know, a thousand dollars a second, I mean, what's a hey? You know, every dollar it. counts, man. Ain't nothing. Every dollar counts. But I, I, I just think that Kevin Durant is going to have to publicly come out and reiterate, hey, I only want Phoenix and I want Miami or I want Miami and that's it. 
Everybody else, I'm not going nowhere. So stop sending your trade proposals to the Nets. Right. That's what it's going to take. Um, let's see, man. Let's see what happens. Uh, UFC 276 was supposed to be a big card to championship fights. Now, we, we sit here, you and I, and we defend tooth and nail. We defend to we're blue in the face. We defend Combat sports. Dana White and his presentation of UFC. Yeah. The ultimate fighting championship. Correct. Phenomenal product. Phenomenal. But you know what, bro? They were it was, they were due. They were due for a, they were due for a miss, dog. You know, all of our all of our shows aren't hits. You know, we don't always hit. Some of them are a miss, right? UFC two seventy six was a miss, dog. You know how that meme goes where he's like, "This motherfucker don't miss. <laughs> he just don't miss." Dana missed. Dana missed this they weekend, dog. Uh, I mean, bottom line, it just you know, it, it just was underwhelming as a as a full package card to say the least. Especially with two big. Big names, three big names essentially on the card, right? Max Holloway. That was um, probably the better fight of the night. The Holloway-Volkanovski trilogy. Right. You had Adesanya defending his belt. Um, Robbie Lawler, Sean O'Malley. A lot Sean of, O'Malley fight. I mean, the way that uh, ended. I mean, so let's get into wild. it. Let's get into, let's get into, the, into the it, fight. bro. So, look, let's start off here. Uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, he was on the undercard. He took a fight against Jake Miller, who's older than he is, uh, amazingly enough. And Jim, Jim Miller. Uh, Jim Miller. And, um, you know, they went into there, and he went from making weight at 175, like three weeks ago, two, two weeks ago, had the fight canceled. Dropped a bunch of weight to make this weight, uh, this undercard. And obviously, when you lose that much weight that fast, it's never going to be a good thing, man. And he went in there and got destroyed pretty much. Sub- submitted by, by Jim in a re, uh, guillotine choke. Mm-hmm. And right after that, promptly announced that he's turning into a movie star. Going to be an actor in Hollywood yeah. and hanging up the UFC gloves, bro. And I think that's a good, smart decision because he's given so much to the sport and to that specific franchise that, like... Oh, I mean, he told Joe, I mean, that was a, that was a dope line, too, that he said, like, you know, it make you understand why he was doing this. He was like, Joe, I don't love it no more. Yeah, you know, bro. He told him, he's like, I don't love it no more. And it's like, dude, get the hell out of there. Once you don't love something anymore, you're just doing it. Like, it's, it's not worth it, dog. Because you're going to get hurt. You're not, exactly. And you're going to put your family through a bunch of yeah, shit that you don't want to do, dog. It's, it's not worth it, it man. So, so that was a dope moment. That was early on in the night. Absolutely. Shout out to Cowboy Cerrone, man, um, for entertaining us and being a professional all these years in the UFC, bro, because you've really done an amazing job and we've got to really enjoy all of great that, man. Great fights. Great fights, He's been man. a part of some great fights. Absolutely, man. So, shout out to him. Um, and in the main card, let's talk about it. First fight of the night was Pedro Munoz versus Sugar Sean O'Malley. And, bro, like you said, this one was one that we were excited to see. Uh, you know, it, it kind of started off pretty good. We saw some, you know, I want to say fireworks, but we saw a couple moments, some glimpses right. of some good moments where, like, damn, this is going to be a good fight. You know, we saw we saw Munoz throw the, the kick, and then O'Malley kind of mocked him. Yeah. You know, give us a little <laughs> bit of that showmanship, right, in the middle of right. the fight. And then the fight just comes to an abrupt end in the second round because of an uh, inadvertent eye poke. I need you to do this, inadvertent with the quote fingers, because when you look at the replay, O'Malley's hand was clearly flat. Now, granted, some of his fingertip was on the dude's eye, right on Pedro's eye, but in my professional opinion, it was not enough, and not enough at all to stop the fight, because, again, you're fighting a dude, bro, number one, you're the first fight on the on a card. So everybody's like really watching this because if you watch the prelims, you, you're going to set the tone. And this fight ending that like that in that manner is exactly what set the tone for the rest of the card, dog. I, I really feel like Pedro kind of punked out, right? Because 
Maybe he couldn't figure out O'Malley, and he was just scared of losing to O'Malley, and, mm. which is some bullshit because if you take a fight against O'Malley, it's because you want to shut him up. You want to prove him wrong. You want to do all the stuff, right? You're not just fighting him because he's the, the next guy in line. O'Malley's not even ranked top 10. I got O'Malley a little soundbite from, from after the Play fight. It, man. I hear it. I, I've never heard it, so I don't know what he's going to say. Let's see here. I feel like I was dominating the fight. I don't think I got hit once. Um... I'd have to watch it back, but, I mean, it's just, it sucks. I felt like I was winning that fight. I feel like the finish was coming. Uh, I was being very patient. He was getting frustrated. I felt way faster. I just felt like I was winning that fight, and I really wish he would consider to win. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah, that no contest is kind of weird, man, because, like he said, he was dominating the fight. He was controlling the fight. And I don't think that Pedro was... In like dangerous to Sean at any point at any fight like at all in the fight you know what I mean like he had no control no nothing um, and it's just a whack whack decision that the referees ended up to end it and I feel like yep. again I feel like Pedro punked out but for and Sean was, O'Malley and that was the first fight of the not the first fight but the first one on the main card and interestingly enough right after that clip that we heard um, Henry Cejudo made a comment to him like, oh, uh, you'd be the tuna fight that I'd take, you know, just to kick your ass and let everybody know that you ain't shit. And O'Malley was like, bro, like, don't waste my time. You yeah. know, a lot of people say that they want to fight me, and then when it comes down to signing it, you know, they get the shakes, they get the jitters, and they don't end up signing the paper. He's Sign the paper, come back officially, and then we can talk. Yeah, so you know? we've been doing a lot of talking. A lot of talking Coaching for a guy who's not coming back. And, yeah. and going to all the fights and at the fights and talking shit talking and all that, shit. but he's, he's still retired. And not only that, that he's still retired, but you're just not that draw. You're not that draw. You're not that Conor McGregor evil guy where people are like, damn, I'm dying to get this guy back in the ring. Yeah. So he needs to find a different stick for that. Yeah. Um, because I think he should be fighting in the UFC, not being retired. That's just whack. All right, so the second fight, fight was uh, Robbie Lawler, the timeless Robbie Lawler, taking on uh, Brian Barbe- Barberena, and Brian just pretty much destroyed Robbie. Man, these guys went to war and stood toe to toe. You know, Brian ended up hitting them with 147 significant strikes, yeah. and just pretty <clears> much <throat> put the lights out on on Lawler, bro. Because I, I feel like just Lawler. He's a guy that should be hanging him up, too. That's exactly what I was going to say, dog. I mean, how many times are we going to see Robbie Lawler, you know, take this kind of punishment, dog? I mean, I wish I wish Jesse was here so that we can – he would probably know how many strikes he's taken. We, I know we're going to get into this guy now, Max Holloway, over 3,000 strikes landed in the UFC, which is a crazy record. But I, I would be curious to see how many strikes have been landed against Lawler. Bro. Because <laughs> it's a lot, dog. It would be in the thousands. Bro, it's you know? a lot. It would be in the thousands for sure because – He's always game. You know what I mean? Like, he's never backing down. He's never been one to run away from, like, ex- significant exchanges and shit like that. So, it's not surprising to me. Um, but, yeah, I think Robbie should call it quits, man. Because mm-hmm. a guy like Brian is extremely dangerous. He really didn't have anything to offer him as far as a challenge, right? Or somebody who Brian could say, damn, this dude can really, like, knock my lot- lights out. <clears throat> didn't have that worry at all. So, I feel like it's it's about that time for Robbie, man. It's about that time. And it's a good move for, for, for Brian. Yeah. You know, get, get a he good win. A, he is a fan favorite. Robbie Lawler is a draw. He, people do like him. They know the name. You know, he's a former champ, right? Yep. So it's like, you know, obviously. In multiple divisions. Name. I think two divisions, too. But, uh, yeah, man, it's time to hang him up, big dog. I think it's time. And then that fight, too, man. Again, I mean, I guess you can call it a good fight if you want to, you know, say, 
him getting his ass whooped. It was a good fight. No, I mean, it was just sad to see because we know what Robbie's about, right? We know what, what classic Robbie looks like, you know? And I and this Robbie is definitely not in his prime, but that's no. because, you know, age catches everybody, bro, especially in the sport. Um, the next fight in after that was Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereira. And that fight, in my opinion, was fight of the night. That had to be the fight of the night. Right that now. was the fight of the night because Sean Strickland was whooping Alex Pereira's ass. He was Beating that guy down. Maybe not fight of the night then. Maybe ass whooping of the night. Yeah. There wasn't much of a fight from Strickland. No, man. Because once, once, once I feel like this, you know how sometimes when, when the dude walks into the octagon and he looks at the other guy and maybe they'll walk by each other and one guy doesn't look at the other guy. Some people are like, oh, but that's respect. Or maybe he's in the zone. I'm like, nah, man, you, you, that's not the heart of the lion that you need to have. You need to be able to stare your opponent down. And I just felt like Strickland went in there with like a don't get hurt mentality. <laughs> and like, up getting just, hurt. Let's just survive this fight. Let's just survive, you know. And he ended up getting murked in the first round, dog, because Alex has some heavy, heavy hands, bro. Heavy hands in that middleweight division, and he impressed so much mm-hmm. that like four guys were calling him out, like, "Yo, I want this guy next." Because Alex has just dom- pretty much dominated every guy he's fought. Um, he has a very impressive record, six and one. Uh, you know, a, a guy with a good background in striking, good jujitsu background. Could be a dangerous, dangerous guy in that middleweight division. Oh, we have kickboxing background too. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Like that's a guy that again, <clears throat> excuse me, a guy who who's really, really good at kickboxing. Tall dude, six four, right, one hundred eighty four pounds. Not an easy guy to bring down. And again, just has dynamite in those hands, bro. Because he he really put the freaking lights out on Strickland, dog. A, a five, five, six straight fights has won um, since his first professional fight. So since two thousand sixteen, he's gone in what six and zero. Um, had an impressive win against Silva. Again, another impressive win against on uh, Strickland. Had a bunch of guys calling him out. I, I feel like this is the next dude who's, you know, going to start creeping into that top ten in that middleweight well, division. Well, I mean, it's already been. Well, we'll get to it in a second, I think. But he, it's a, it's it's kind of out there that he's going to fight Adesanya. Next. Yeah, that's the rumor, you know. But it's wild for me to for him to jump up like that because there's other guys there that deserve that spot. That deserve that spot. The chance for because you've heard because if you, in my opinion, if you hold a spot down in the top ten, that's hard as hell, dog. Because guys are moving up and down. Guys are fighting the champs. You're fighting number one contenders. You're fighting the guys who are trying to come up. Like it's hard to stay in the top ten. You know, it's top five. And I feel like those guys have to get some type of shot, some type of recognition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the co-main event of the evening, which is the championship uh, fight. So, the, the, I mean, you could argue this could have been the fight of the night. Cause it should have been. It was more of a fight. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, when, you think was, of, when you think of a fight, it's both sides. It ended up being a unanimous decision. Max did get worked by by Volkanovski. Yeah. But, I, I mean, you know, another fan favorite, you know, Max. And, and he's another one that should, we should possibly be talking about. He needs to hang it up soon. I think so, too. I think so too because Max, like you said, he's he's gone away from the fight game to come back into the fight game. Those things usually don't work out the way you envision it because you want to come back, win the title, and walk out of there. But you're facing a guy who's a a real champion in Alexander Volkanovski. This was his what thirteenth, twelfth title defense. A beast in that division. A guy who's never, again, afraid to fight anybody. He always steps up to whatever challenger is put in front of him. He doesn't duck anybody. He doesn't give excuses as to why he can't fight. And I just feel like he's been a real 
um, a real champion for Dana White and the UFC. You know, a guy who you can depend on, a guy who's going to make weight, a guy who's not going to get injured, a guy who's going to show up to pay-per-views and sell them out and all this stuff. Man, Alex pretty much dominated him, and you can hear hear it here from the pros game, post-fight. I feel good. You know, it was, uh, obviously it was a big part of my career, big part of my life, you know, uh, this, this trilogy, this, uh, you know, rivalry and all that type of stuff, but it's good to put an end to it. You know what I mean? There was a lot of uh, highs and lows through it as well, you know what I mean? There was a bit of hardship through it and all that, you know, there was uh, some things that were harder to deal with. But, I mean, it made me stronger, made me who I am, and uh, made me a total different beast uh, today, and you've seen that. Yeah, man. Like like he said, the trilogy was something epic for the fans. But more important than that is how both of those guys approached the trilogy. They never ran from it. They never doubted it. They, they always knew that they were going to finish the trilogy, and they wanted to fight each other out of mutual respect. And what you, you're right. What we saw that night was a real fight because Max was... Willing to come forward. He took a lot of damage. He had that nasty, Bro, that nasty cut. cut. I can't believe they didn't call the fight after that cut. Because he was gashed, homie. Dude. Like, bad. And, I've, and, never, I've never seen Holloway like hurt that bad. No, dude. And the way that the blood was coming down, hey, it, it hey. was coming down like right on the inside of his eyeball. Hey, you bad, know what I mean? So it was tough. And But look look at how much heart that guy has. No, no, Holloway's a beast, bro. For, for, that, for a guy of his frame, stature, and size. I mean, both these guys, obviously. But yeah. still, man. You got he has so many dope highlights and clips in the UFC. Obviously, the lead up to this fight, you Correct. can always see all those clips and all that. And he's had a hell of a career. I mean, the, the trilogy, it's, it was a hell of a trilogy. Right. I mean, this was probably one of the the not the favorite fight. I guess maybe the first fight would be the the best fight of the trilogy. Right. Uh, or, or the most one, the one with the biggest impact for sure. But uh, it's over now. You know, lay that to rest now. Night, you know, onto the next one for Volk. Yeah, man, and the champ stays the champ. You know, and um, shout out to Max. You know, he even threw his his respect for Alex and was like, "Yeah, you know, he he's definitely the better fighter between us two." Um, but I'm still gonna walk away knowing that I knocked him down twice, <laughs> which is a good little walk away. You know, yeah. not a lot of people can even say that they landed clean shots on this exactly. guy. You know, and he went to war with him three times. Take what you can get. Yes, sir. But and then in the main event, the main event, the underwhelming main know, event. You under, know, I mean, dog. Izzy is one of my favorite fighters, bro. But he's this, these last couple fights have been lackluster to say the very least. lackluster. So to say the lackluster. least, and he got a another split uh, unanimous decision win against Jared um, Cannonier. Cannonier. Uh, and I will say this: that dude didn't have it, bro. No, Going into that fight, even, bro, that there was close. not even like a, a, a chance that that guy was gonna do anything. And I, and then at the same time, it's like. You see that, and you're like, you expect Izzy to dominate John Bone Jones style. You know what I mean? Go right. in there and finish get a two-round, three-round finish, bro. Why do we got to go the distance with this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that ever since uh, Izzy went up to face Blackovich, John Blackovich, like that, that changed uh, he, hasn't his, been, he hasn't been the same after He hasn't fight. been the same, and it's changed his, his perspective on how he views getting hit. Because if you think about it, Jerry's a big dude, strong dude. He knocks dudes out for a living. Like oh, yeah. that's that's what he does. He doesn't win fights by decisions. He knocks people out, whether it's with his knees, his feet. Um, but for Izzy, he knows what the what the threat is. So he's not going to put himself in a position where he can really go all out. Well, <laughs> where he can go all out there and and really put himself in danger in order to get the highlight real finish. 
I don't think he's about that right now. You know, at this stage in his career, he's just content with being the best pound for pound fighter, right? Um, being the best in his division, keeping the belt for as long as he can and seeing what develops outside the UFC for him. Because as long as you're the champ, you're going to attract all those other things from, from the media and like movies and shows and all that stuff, right? But you got to be the champ. Yeah. So if he can be the champ while not putting himself in danger like that, I think that's his game plan. Yeah, that's fine and all, but you it know, makes for boring you fights. Get caught slipping, and you get a dude like Alex Pereira who's hungry. Yeah, and he all he needs, all he needs is a chance. One punch, not even just a chance. Just let me get in the ring with you, homie. You say that you're down because Izzy came out and said it. Stavender said that he'd be he'd be, yeah, he'd be down. taking that fight, right. which is interesting. Like you said, there's a lot of guys that are in line that could possibly you know deserve the shot before him, but. With this guy, what he just did in this fight and the last couple of fights that he's had, I mean, that's that could be somebody right there that if you're not careful, dog, I don't care that you're the champ, bro. If this guy is hungrier than you, and yeah, he you're wants gonna lose. More, you're gonna lose, and you're gonna lose in a fashion that that is embarrassing, right? And because that we're not accustomed to seeing exactly because Alex is not a guy again who's gonna beat you in a, a unanimous decision style. No, that guy's coming to clean your clock out and drop you in front of all your family and friends. Did they? compete kickboxing them too is that the, them too the, i don't know but i saw some i, I feel, saw some videos of i feel like it was them too i feel like that's also part of the history behind it maybe Which, Je- this is why we need jesse jesse gotta answer your you. phone earlier bro that's why we need you um but i think that yeah it would be an interesting style because fight because styles make fights and both these guys are real kickboxers so and I saw some clips of, you know, Izzy back in his kickboxing days really going out there and, and laying dudes out with his feet, you know, and, and kicks that nobody saw coming. He just, just pop, pop. That's not what we're seeing now from him. But No, I because gotta, it's a different game. I let's got a clip what from he, him from his post-fight interview. Uh, we can kind of wrap up right after this. Yeah, let's hear what he had to say about the fight and um, after the, the fight in the post-fight. Um, feel, I didn't feel as good at first because, again, my team know this. The first thing you didn't say is, like, you have high expectations of yourself. The whole team, people who actually train with me know, oh, he had an off night. You all have a job to do. Sometimes you have an off night. Mine just happens to be in front of the world. And I've had a lot of on nights, but I just had an off night tonight, which is why I was like, meh, 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 But master class, he couldn't do much to me. He touched me a little bit, which I didn't like, but I can't get touched by a guy like that, you know. And, um, yeah. I still feel like I, you know, I, 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 I still feel like I'm the best, but at the same time, this is the expectation I put on myself. And like I said before the fight, what I'm going to do, I hate not getting it done the way I said I'm going to do it, but I still got the job done and still self-critical. I, told you. I mean, that's, that's good to hear, I guess, you know, that even he, all under- and that he understands that he didn't put out the best performance. Yeah, but so, at the end of the day, you got to do that because he's like you said, he's the draw. He's the man. He's the draw. He, you want to keep that up? You got to do that because even the business, like I said, even the business that is outside of the UFC depends on those results. Mm-hmm. You got to make it entertaining. You got to make people talk about you. You got to make the people want to see you. And that comes with it. Um, absolutely right, man. You know, thankfully for Dana White, he has another 17 UFC events going on this month. So <laughs> they're going to be able to recoup that hey, quick. Bro, that guy's still batting 1,000. 999 to oh, be exact. I'm serious, bro. Look, you, uh, July 9th, UFC fight night. Dos Anjos versus Fizev. Um, and then July 16th, UFC fight night. Uh, Brian Ortega versus Rodriguez. Then you have um, another UFC fight night on the 23rd. Blaze versus Aspinelli, which is a good heavyweight contender fight. 
Um, then you got the Contender Series, right? <laughs> July 26th. This guy's all over the TV. And then UFC 277 to end the month, July 30th. Uh, Pena versus Nunez, too. We need it, dog. We need it. All we got is Martin's baseball, you know? Nice. So we hey, need something. Man. Hey, man. And five good. in a row, no, bro. It's a, it's a good thing. That's and a good Sandy's thing. And Sandy's going to get a but six I'm saying, tonight. Dog, we, we are a show that thrives on sports content. And all right. We need some more sports to That's happen. Fair. It can't just all be. We're not a Martin's podcast. No, you know no, no, no. Fair so, enough. So we need our sports and we need our fix. And uh, right now, we need to tell people what time it is. We need to tell them what to do, man. We need to tell them to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell one more friend. To tell one more friend about this dope podcast that we got going going on listen to what we gave you guys today we gave you baseball with the martins we gave you basketball and nba rumors and we broke down mma like the coverage that you're getting here you're not getting anywhere else especially in south florida so make sure to hit that follow button hit that subscribe button follow us on youtube follow us on social media and until next time peace, peace.